You are listening to the Pencil and Paper Podcast Network. Visit PencilandPaperProductions.Podbean.com to find more great podcasts. Hello and welcome to As I Recall It, a podcast featuring stories and anecdotes of years past. Did they happen exactly as I said? Probably not, only as I recall it. Aging isn't something I had given much thought to in recent years. As a youth, I can recall numerous times when I couldn't wait to reach a certain age because I would be allowed to do this or that and no one could stop me. Then, once I reached the true adult barrier known as 21, I slowly became less and less interested about how old I was. Now that I've reached 40, I've begun thinking about it again, but from a different perspective. As I mentioned as a kid, I was eager to grow up, as most kids are. Kids think that all of their problems will disappear once they don't have to listen to their mean old parents. Parents. Pfft, what do they know? I'll show them. Typically, we all stumble with that attitude. I can't speak for my brother since he seemed more focused on his future than I ever was. Once I became a legal adult and wandered out on my own, the reality set in real quick that I had to do for myself. The concept of having to work for money to survive wasn't foreign, but the idea of working at a fast food chain or a factory? No thank you. But sometimes that's not a choice you get to make. As a young man, I remember walking out on jobs because I couldn't stand being there. I think the shortest time I ever spent in a job was a night and a half at Templasco. Maybe some of you will know the place I'm talking about. I'm not sure if it was the monotonous work or the soulless drones working there, but I just couldn't stand it. I knew it wasn't for me. However, if that were today, I couldn't just walk out of my job. Circumstances change and the idea of losing my job is worrisome. How long would I be out of work? Would I lose my home? How bad am I letting down my kid? So on and so on. Realizing that perspective changed, I began thinking about others. I remember as a younger man that holidays used to mean more to me than they do now. Years ago, it was about the excitement of seeing what amazing gifts would be bestowed upon me. Now, I'm okay if I don't receive a gift at all. I received a pair of socks this past Christmas, and I was perfectly happy with it since it's something that's practical and necessary. Plus, I feel like giving gifts should mean something. Don't do it because you're obligated to. Do it because you want to and you've put some thought into something that someone really would enjoy. What would be meaningful for someone you care about to show that your relationship is that important? While on the subject of material goods, it's something I don't think about as much anymore. Younger me had to buy all the movies, all the music, all the video games and show off all the things he had. Now there are a rare few things I really and truly want for myself. Younger me would have spent every dollar in his pocket no matter what. I had the money, so it must be used. Today, I struggle to consider what to buy with money I've been gifted because I always feel like it could go toward a bill. It has to be paid, right? Now while I can still get pretty angry about certain things, I've taken note that I've actually mellowed out a bit over the years. Not completely, but there isn't an instantaneous explosion of rage waiting in the wings. I'm sure there are other factors in play with this particular problem, but I think certain things that used to grind my gears, I've kind of softened on. This would be a great time to showcase an example, but none really come to mind. 
Perhaps I haven't mellowed, which I guess makes it fair to say that I've been hardened by age as well. Younger me used to feel more caring, more trusting. Now I feel everyone has an agenda. If I get a bad sense about someone, I don't want to waste my time on them. My time is precious and I've got better things to use it on. This is also a reason I cut people out of my life. I will try time and again to engage someone in conversation, but when I realize the engagement is one-sided, I'm done. Clearly, I'm the only one who cares. I can't abide lying, which could be considered ironic since I'm guilty of it just as well. That said, I chose to change my ways and have become brutally honest, which can be a bad thing, but at least I'm honest. If you want the truth, I'll give it to you point blank. Assumptions anger me too, but I'm guilty of that as well. That's why I feel like it's necessary to talk to people. But that's also something I hate doing. I like keeping to myself, doing my own thing. But that also seems work-related. At home, I used to enjoy time alone. Now I prefer the company of my wife and kids. That said, I've lost interest in pets. I used to enjoy the idea of having a pet indoors, but that novelty has worn off. I have a cat outside that I enjoy having around. She shows me affection, I respond in kind, and that's our relationship. It's simple. Anyway, over the last few weeks, another thing I've realized is that I need to work. Time and responsibility have instilled in me a solid work ethic that serves me well. However, when I have no responsibility and nothing but time, I think I will utilize this free time to take care of other projects I would like to begin on, but it never happens. I become this lazy lump of flesh that would rather sit around watching TV than interact with anything else in the world. This realization actually makes me weary about that dream to win the lottery. I know what I think I would do, but I'm afraid of what I would do. When I think about things that have happened 20 years ago, it feels like only yesterday. Then perspective kicks in. 100 years from now when my grandkids or great-grandkids happen to think about me, They may observe the fact that I was one of the people who saw the new millennium. To me, that was a Saturday. When younger people speak of things I remember with clarity as if it was something ancient, it's bizarre. There's a generation of kids out there who only know about the new Star Wars trilogy, that only know about comic book films the Marvel way, that have no idea what Saturday morning cartoons are or what the hell a rotary phone is. It's hard to believe, but all they know is technology as it exists today. What will life feel like in another decade? I'm not sure. Perhaps I'll invest more into my retirement fund. Make a living will and testament, which I really should probably start on soon anyway. Maybe I won't get to see another decade. I don't like thinking about that, but it's always a possibility. I've lost my share of family and friends in 40 years than I ever expected to. I've also gained a number in that time as well. Met people who've changed my life in ways I never expected. I do look forward to another 40 years in hopes that I will make it that far. I'm always interested to see what the future holds, not just for me, but for all of us. Since we're already on the subject, I figured it would be a good time to touch on one of my early works. If you recall one of my previous stories, you may remember me talking about my first foray into writing and comics with Stephen's Wacky Maze. You may also remember one of the creatures mentioned in that series that I called a Taz Devil. I may have mentioned how terrible that name is, and I reiterated here, it's horrible. 
Anyway, Stephen's Wacky Maze was a series I had done and I finished. However, an idea sprung out of nowhere that would continue the story in some way. Since it was close to 30 years ago, I can't say with absolute certainty where this idea stemmed from, but the initial idea was to write a horror film. I was a horror nut at the time, so making my own was a no-brainer. Again, not having the fairest recollection of this, it's hard to say which came first, the protagonist or the antagonist. First, we'll discuss the antagonists and the title characters, the Taz Devils. I would assume the idea of using them as a horror prop was because they were meant to be vicious creatures. However, I wanted to use a set amount, and each would have a personality all their own. This trope was no doubt lifted from something I watched at the time, but nothing's clicking. Thinking back on it, though, it seems like these creatures would have been better suited for a gremlins-esque feature. More creatures, more chaos. But for some reason, I chose five distinct characters. I'm not entirely sure if this was the original concept, since a concept poster found in my book of drawings, number three paints a slightly different picture. As I said, five distinct personalities were written for the Taz Devils. Looking back over the book, each were returning characters from previous episodes of Stephen's Wacky Maze. First, you have the boss, who was just that and no Springsteen, although the narrative feels like that joke would have easily fit into the cheesiness of it all. Next was the boss's girlfriend labeled PMS, something I had completely forgotten I had done. As a 12-year-old boy in the early 90s, I didn't know any better, and the concept I had for a woman with an attitude came with only that assumption. Then there was Spike, who was just a friend, and he had a brother named Mouth. Spike had spikes, obviously, and Mouth had a big mouth full of giant teeth. Finally, there was Cousin Hunger, who was meant to be the slovenly member of the bunch. Then we have the protagonist. I think if I were writing this today, I would have chosen completely new characters, just like my approach to the creatures. However, because the Steven character was already associated with him, I chose to use him in the story. That said, the story was meant to center on his son. The year was 2020. In what could be considered an alternate universe, Steven had given up the superhero life at some point, with hints that something had happened to all of his friends. However, feeling a sense of responsibility, he became a different kind of hero and worked as a police detective. His son, aptly named Junior, was told of his father's exploits when a son of a former enemy surfaces in his life. The enemy was nicknamed Rags, so obviously his son was Dish Rags. I honestly have no idea why I did this. It just happened. Anyway, Dishrags overhears the tale, finds his father's magic book and wand, and revives the Taz Devils to wreak havoc. Looking back on the narrative, it's a very empty and hollow tale. Things just happen with no rhyme or reason. We're introduced to Junior and his father. Dishrags revives the Taz Devils, who then start random acts of murder. Dishrags seems to regret his decision, but still makes more Taz Devils to aid the chaos. Then, he asks the boss to kill Junior, which leads the boss to realize Steven's still alive. Steven's old teammate, Lance, appears randomly to assist his friend when the Taz Devils come to kill him, because why not? Even more random is the re-emergence of Shadow and Mirror, who were evil versions of Steven. They begin helping Steven and Junior. They fight. They win. The end. It's an embarrassment, really. Despite that, this story is my first film comic, a term I used to indicate an idea I had for a film, but used the comic book format to write it that way. I treated these stories as if they were actual films and would even give them credits. 
This format stretched out into other forms of stories, not just horror. Horror was just what got me started. I had so many film ideas that I created more concept posters for than I ever wrote stories for. I swear the canon people would have banked off me for ideas alone. I'll mention other stories in a later episode, but for now, let's stay on topic. Again, looking back on this particular story, I remember always wondering what life would be for me in 2020. I'm definitely not a detective. I do have a son that is, in fact, the age Junior was in the comic, and there was a time his name would have been Junior. But, with three sisters with fairly unique names, I didn't feel like it was right for him to have a regular name with Junior tacked on, so that was abandoned. Still, it's kind of amazing that the age was spot on, and even the Steven character has a design with parted hair and glasses that I do sport from time to time today. I never revisited this story in any form of sequel, but I did use Junior again in other comic series. Since that series took place in present day of 1992, Junior had traveled back in time, and he got to meet his father in the prime of his heroics. However, this does raise an interesting question. Was this Junior the same one from Taz Devils 2020 where his father abandoned his superhero life, or a new version that existed within this new timeline? I feel like it was the same kid, but with time travel and the multiverse concept, it does create an interesting line of questioning. I don't think I'll ever return to this story for any reason. I see no point in really revising it unless someone wants to pay me to write a book or a screenplay. I guess that's just the pessimist in me, though. The hard-edged older man, not the spunky kid of yesteryear. However, in any case, it is fun to look back and reflect on what was and what could have been. I finally made it to 2020. I wonder what the future holds now. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our stories. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash pencilandpaperproductions or pencilandpaperproductions.podbean.com and click become a patron in the top right-hand corner. Remember, you can tell your friends to find us on the Pencil and Paper Podcast Network found on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts, and even youtube.com slash pencilandpaperproductions. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you'll join us again next time for more stories. This has been a Pencil and Paper Podcast Network production.